Welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. JJ Jerez here, Arif Dean, following the Avalanche practice here on Sunday just before they head out on the road this week. I'm pretty sure they're having another practice before that, but just ahead of a big kind of uh, weekly or a big road trip ahead for this week. A couple tough games, Arif, but uh, back from the All-Star game. Back in the flow of things and uh, just ready to, to hit the stretch here, headed towards the playoffs. That's really the next milestone, right? You know, they look ahead like, okay, we got the December Christmas break coming up. Next break is All Star break. Now the next milestone's playoffs. Yeah, the next milestone for people like you and me, obviously, before the playoffs is the trade, tra- deadline. trade deadline. And that's coming up uh, 26 days from today. Like, it's, it's right around the corner. I don't have the exact date. I'll look it up here, but I think they traded for Josh Manson 10 days out. Tyson Joe's 10, 11 days out. So, like, we're inching closer to those dates. And, obviously, Cagliano and Lekkanen were uh, deadline day deals 26 days from today. But, yeah, I mean, this this road trip is the start of that final stretch. Or I would say, you know what, to be honest with you, I think to the team the trade deadline matters as well because that's when you can get everybody in the room and, and say, this is the group we're going with. These are the guys we're going with. They're not quite there yet. Obviously, Landis Gog and those guys are going to be part of the group. But they're still part of the group. You're going to have new faces in that locker room here in the next three to four weeks. So um, any way you shake it, we are two and a half months away from the end of the regular season, the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, it's interesting because this is probably a good time for players to really ramp it up, really, I guess, turn it up to 11, right? We kind of saw that in today's practice. Really had a high tempo, high energy to it, and even ended with some bag skating, get the boys back in shape. But um, this is the time where the microscope's on you, right? You don't want to be the guy who's making the team struggle and suddenly is expendable and maybe a, a piece in a trade. So everybody wants to kind of play their best hockey right now because, you know, the uh, front office is really looking close at who yeah, brings what. But don't play too good because then you have value and we can trade. I'm just <laughs> kidding. But, yeah, it is, it's going to be a really interesting – and, again, like we're not, we're not here to talk mostly about deadline stuff. we got plenty of time to do that. But, like, it's going to be a really fascinating three, four weeks here because – Last year, the only player they traded off their roster was Tyson Jost. If you look at the team now and the players on their roster, like it's hard to really think of who they would trade off this roster, if anyone. Um, so, I mean, are they going to come out of left field and trade, I don't know, JT Comfer for an upgraded, like just an example, for an upgraded center, you know, aside from the fact they need a center? Bad example, but you get the point. Like, are they going to go out and take a player and upgrade on him, or are they just going to bring in new faces? Um, it's leaning more toward the new faces thing, but you never know. So... It is going to be kind of – it's going to be in the back of the minds of a lot of these guys, but at the same time, uh, right now they're focusing on locking up that playoff positioning, taking that 7-1 and one run before the break, and pushing through with it here after the break. Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Florida, I know you said two tough games, but three tough games, and, and they're coming up here starting Tuesday. Yeah, with that is the addition of Bone Byram back in the lineup, right? Speaking of new faces, speaking of heading down the stretch, uh, what a great addition to put back in uh, right as you are facing this tough stretch to the playoffs, tough road, and, and attempt to climb the standings. So Bowen Byram, I can't believe how long it's been since we've seen him. I, I Looking back and going through the questions that we asked him today through uh, after practice, it's just crazy to think that it's been since the Finland trip that yeah. we've seen Bowen Three Byram. Three months, three freaking months since the last time this guy's played a game, and it's it's wild to think that. I mean, he was he was off to another good start to the season, and like he said, I'm just glad it wasn't my head, uh, or whatever the words were. But you know, basically confirming what we all knew it was a lower body injury it had nothing to do with the concussion issues that he had last year. Uh, does this make him injury prone? Not necessarily. If 
this becomes a recurring injury, then yeah, sure, we can discuss that. But just to see what this guy's been through, and he even made a joke halfway through, like, I've, I've been through this before, I've done this before, is actually um, telling of the fact that this is a 21, 22-year-old kid who's already had all of these injuries, and he's ready to rock and roll. He's going to be a big addition. Actually, we're going to play the sound for the listeners so they can kind of get a feel for what Bo and Byram's thinking, kind of his, his energy too, right? He yeah. was very happy to be here energy. I mean, no different from Bo. He's always good to talk to. He likes, he likes to say useful things. He's not just your run-of-the-mill, you know, get pucks deep, work hard, one game at a time type of guy. But um, So, yeah, we'll have that for you. I guess let's look at a little bit into the injury itself, right? Because you had an interesting question there to him about the week-to-week progress that we were getting updated pretty much every single yeah, week, the week right? the week-to-week timeline was initially what was expected for this injury. Exactly. So we all expected him to, to be back a lot sooner. Here we are at All-Star break, and he's just barely making his uh, reinsertion happen. So you uh, tell me your thoughts on, on the injury updates throughout that timeline and just, just the, the reason it took so long. I think the Avalanche just do a poor job of really assessing how long an injury takes. That's that's ultimately what no like I I know it sounds funny but that's ultimately what it is like here's two clear examples of it Gabe Landeskog and Bowen Byram and then we'll compare it to another team here in a second uh, Gabe Landeskog was injured during obviously well he wasn't injured but you know he had an injury last year during the offseason everything went well when he started to get back onto the ice in August leading up to training camp ramping things up he realized his knee issues were bothering him allegedly we don't know for sure it's the knee but we're just assuming. Uh, then in October, it was said that Gabe Landeskog was having surgery, and it's a 12-week timeline, which brings you to roughly January 1920, would have been 12 weeks. Well, early January, late December, we asked Jared about it, and he said, well, during his – it's not that he suffered a setback, but during his recovery, we realized that he's now on a new timeline. They just – you know, the Avalanche and Jared just failed to share with us that there was a new timeline. So we all assumed it was a setback or there might be an issue of an LTIR till the playoffs. So – it ended up being that he's on a new timeline and he's been progressing well on that timeline. Nothing really happened. They just kind of sounds like they jumped the gun on the 12 week thing. Uh, same thing going on here with Bowen Byram. They said week to week, his last game was November 4th. He's played 10 games. He's got two goals and three assists in 10 games. Now let's compare that. And I don't know if the avalanche are doing this on purpose. I don't know if they're just guessing, but let's compare that to the Boston Bruins going into the season. Charlie McAvoy, Brad Marchand and I think uh, Matt Grizzlick were all supposed to be hurt. And we're talking about the Boston Bruins, a team that's on pace to win over 60 games, potentially break NHL records. In the offseason, the idea was the Boston Bruins might take a step back. They might actually miss the playoffs. This might be the year. But it's also got a little bit of that last dance aura with David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron and all that. So they were expected to start the season without Marchand without Charlie McAvoy, without Matt Grizzlick and a couple other guys. And the idea was, and they were all supposed to be long-term injuries, three months, two and a half months, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. And the idea was weather the storm until you get your big guns back, and then you can make a push, similar to what the Avalanche are doing. Well, what ended up happening was Brad Marchand came back early. Charlie McAvoy came back early. Matt Grizzlick came back early. While they were gone, they were winning games. After they returned, they were winning games. And here they are, their tops in the NHL by a landslide. I think they're seven points up on Carolina with games in hand. So the Bruins went into this basically, and you don't know if they did it on purpose or not, but the idea is they gave timelines that were way out of range so that when the player comes back early, 
it sounds a little bit better than saying Gabe's going to be out 12 weeks and here we are 15 weeks later, he's not back. Or going back to the whole reason why I went on this rant, Bowen Byram is week to week on November 4th. It is February 5th and he finally is confirmed back into the lineup. I genuinely believe the Avalanche are just bad at giving these timelines and that's what it makes it. That's what makes it sound like Darren Helm's career is over or Gabe Landeskog is LTIR'd until the playoffs or Bowen Byram, his career might be ruined before it started. Like he's played 59 regular season games. It's wild to think that. Yeah, that's an interesting take. The over-promise, under-deliver, and, and the vice, vice versa. versa for, right? for so. a team like the Bruins, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously he's going to take some time away from some of the other defensemen, right? That's really the biggest positive, especially we saw there for a stretch when some of the guys were playing way too many minutes. Bowen Byram is going to help alleviate that a little bit. But as far as X's and O's, as far as his playing style, what does – Bowen Byram bring to the lineup that you think is something that the Avalanche may have missed since November 4th? He's a guy that you can put into the lineup for 25 minutes a night that's going to give you honest-to-God good two-way hockey. That's that's the best way to put it. Because at forward, they've been able to kind of patch the players that they've been missing here and there because I know it's not the same level, but at least you know you can take a JT Comfer and play him for 22, 23 minutes, and he'll give you good forward hockey. You can take an Evan Rodriguez and play him for 21 minutes, and he'll give you good hockey. All the while knowing those guys' minutes are going to drop when Landis Gog, obviously now Nachushkin, maybe a second-line center is acquired, are all inserted into the lineup. The problem with the defense is when Makar's not playing – there's 20-something minutes you have to you have to replace. When Josh Manson's not playing, there's 20. When Byram's not playing, there's about 20, 21. And you end up in a situation where it's like, all right, we know Sam Gerrard can play more minutes. We know Devontae's can play more minutes. But you still need a fourth guy. So you're stuck with Eric Johnson kind of, do we push him to 20? Or do we overplay the crap out of Kale McCarr? Obviously, they've decided more or less, most games, to overplay the crap out of Kale McCarr. So... When you bring Bowen Byram back into the lineup, the big thing is you're replacing someone like Brad Hunt or probably Andreas Engeland or Curtis McDermott, guys that give you 11 or 12 minutes, you can suddenly almost double it with Bowen Byram. Take minutes away from Kale. Take those minutes. And obviously that's aside from the fact that 11 minutes of Curtis McDermott are going to be replaced by much better 11 minutes from Bowen Byram plus another 9 or 10 or 11 that he's going to provide and kind of ease the ease the ice time of guys like Gerard, EJ, even McCarr and Tave. So he's going to bring a lot to the lineup because it's going to slot other guys back into spots where they belong. I always have talked about how much I love Bowen Byram's attitude on the ice, right? And you look back to the All-Star game, that All-Star weekend even, that just passed, and you look back to last year, whenever you hear Nathan McKinnon talk about Nazem Kadri, what is the one word he always uses? The, the swagger? Swagger. Bingo. That's 100% it, and I think Bowen Byram brings an element of that that I think the Avalanche not necessarily miss, but need that they they just want the more guys with confidence the more guys with swagger good in that guy in the room, room kind of guy the guy that keeps everybody together like we really genuinely do undervalue that stuff yeah absolutely so i think just simply having him helps kind of you know give a little pumps to the reeboks if you know if you know if you understand the reference um <laughs> of that locker room so uh, I think it's interesting, too. We got a, a update on Josh Manson today, not quite ready to go, inching his way back. So having Bowen Byron back in the lineup but still waiting on Josh Manson, what do you think that defensive group kind of looks like moving forward? Honestly, here? I like it. I Well, not, not I like it. What I'm saying is I like the fact that their returns are kind of staggered a little bit because I think I've said this before. 
uh, as a joke, but I genuinely feel the first time the Avalanche have their fully healthy lineup, they're going to lose. That first game, they're going to lose. Landis Cog's back, Nachushkin's back. They'll go out and trade for a second-line center or whoever the hell they acquire at the deadline. Manson, Byram, Taves, Makar, Gerard, EJ, both Georgie and Frankie healthy. Everybody playing well. The Avalanche are going to go out and lay an egg and lose 4-1 to one to like the Arizona Coyotes or something. Like, it's genuinely going to happen. So when you bring in one guy to the lineup, I know they've had a week off and that kind of, you know, there's no rhythm that you're affecting. But when you bring one guy into the lineup, it helps. And then Bowen Byram gets his feet wet. And then you bring Manson into the lineup, especially given the fact that both those guys are a pairing. It's better that it's a little bit staggered. So, like, when you look at the playoffs last year, for example, you had Sam Gerrard and Josh Manson. That was your second pair because if you remember, Bowen Byram and EJ were your third pair. This is before Bo elevated into that top four role. So you had Gerard and Manson. Then when Gerard got hurt, they just plugged Jack Johnson into there. So he was your top four guy, even though his minutes weren't really top four minutes. But I could see the same thing happening. Now you have Byram and Manson as your second pair. Gerard and EJ is your third pair. Instead of splitting up Gerard and EJ, just plug Brad Hunt into that spot with Bo and Byram. All the while knowing Bo's going to play with a lot of guys. They're going to continue to do what they do and deploy probably 7D at times. Uh, mix and match the lineup. But I think what you're ultimately going to see is... G and EJ are going to be on that third pair. Taves and McCarr on the top pair. And then Brad Hunt will kind of keep that seat warm for Josh Manson until he's ready. Yeah, that makes sense. And you kind of get the feel that's what they're doing with the forward group. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah, and that's what they did earlier. Right. And so, uh, I, and I also think Brad Hunt kind of deserves a longer look, right? He, he, he's earned his um, stay here in the NHL for now. And until he does otherwise, or until... Josh Manson is ready, then, you know, I think you give him every shot he deserves. Remember all that preseason hype I had about Brad Hunt? Talking about how he's the seventh defenseman on this team and they should call him up. And he was in the AHL and we're like McDonald and McDermott. And where is Brad Hunt? He's a number 70. He's a number 70. I like the way they approached it of letting him play in the AHL rather than sitting on the bench and ride the pine up, up top. But this is ultimately what they expected from him. This is what... You know, this is what I expected because this was the veteran that they signed, similar to Jack Johnson, Ryan Murray last year. This was the veteran that they signed, and they gave him a two-year deal despite him being in his mid-30s. So you know they held him in this regard where he's your number seven. Andreas Engelin is the wild card that kind of jumped in out of nowhere and ultimately why now Jacob McDonald's not even on this team anymore. But uh, Brad Hunt is the seventh-best defenseman on this team, and, and you know that's why he's going to play when Josh is, health, is unhealthy. AHL All-Star Brad Hunt. Damn right. There's a reason for it, too. So let's get to the Bowen Byram sound here real quick, and then uh, uh, we'll be back to break down some more Avalanche um, hockey for you here. Really excited, obviously. It's been a while, so um, something I've been looking forward to. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to come back and have another st strong push towards the end of the year here. How did you feel your game was was kind of trending towards the end of, before you got hurt, and I guess what's the – how do you – adjust in the middle of the season coming back in? Yeah, um, I thought I had a decent start. Um, I didn't think I was playing my best hockey, but I could feel that it was coming. So, um, Yeah, it's going to be tough, um, but I've done it before. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm confident with um, jumping back in, and like I said, I'm excited. Is it nice this time you're kind of able to be around the team a little more while you're recovering and, and still have the, the kind of contact with the guys and stuff? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I was just happy it wasn't my head. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it was uh, a lot easier to uh, to be out when you're still feeling good and feel like yourself. Um, yeah. You know, a limb's kind of whatever. So <laughs> uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was nice. The week-to-week -week timeline that Jared initially gave didn't seem like it was going to be that severe, and here we are now, obviously three months later. Just kinda, yeah, what went wrong over these three months, if anything? Um, 
I don't think anything went wrong. Um, it's a finicky injury that you don't really know what the timeline is, you know. So, um, yeah, like I said, I don't think anything went wrong. Um, but it's just, I mean, it took me, I don't know, two and a half months, and, and that's what it is. So, um, behind me now, I'm just excited to get going again. Did you have any sense initially when you went out before that game in Finland that it would be this long? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, I thought I was going to play that night still. Um, and then I just got on the ice for warm-ups and things started to seize up a bit. So uh, I didn't really have any, I don't know, intuition on how long I was going to be out for. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is, so I'm ready to go now. You're happy to get the, the Finland trip in before the injury and get to see the <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun for sure. Um, you know, I think it took a bit of a toll on our guys. It's uh, a long trip and a lot of time zones, um, a lot of nights with not very much sleep with uh you know jet lag and things but um i'm really excited you know we're starting to get guys back we're starting to roll so um yeah we're all looking forward to to getting down the stretch here during these last three months the team has had some hot stretches some cold stretches for you as a player are you more itching to get back in the lineup when they're losing five or six straight or when they're going on a run like they are right now uh i mean both when you always want to be playing no matter what the outcome is and the games you're watching so Obviously, when, when you're losing, it, it stings a bit more. You want to be out there helping them out. But, uh, yeah, um, I think we've done a good job of weathering the storm. You know, we've been pretty beat up to start the year. So, uh, like I said earlier, we're, we're starting to get healthy here, having guys come back and, and whatnot. So it's exciting. With that, what are you excited to bring back to the lineup that maybe you've noticed is maybe missing here and there? Uh, I thought everyone that's that's come in um, has done a great job. You know, we've had a lot of D eating up a lot of minutes, so just trying to help out with that. Uh, you know, guys like Kill and, and Taser have been playing 25 plus every night, so that takes a toll on you eventually. So um, just come in and hopefully uh, make their job a bit easier. That was Bowen Byram talking to us after practice today. Good to see him back. Again, like I mentioned, great energy. Um, let's get to Superbook Sports, guys. The final drive for the championship is here, and there's no better place to wager on the football title tilt than Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best menu of prop bets in the business. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. With over three decades of odds-making experience in Las Vegas, there's no place better to wager than Superbook Sports. Win some money as one lucky team wins the championship. Download the Superbook Sports app today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Arif, along with Bowen Byram coming back and the news of Josh Manson slowly making his way back, we saw Val Nachushkin back on the ice, not in a non-contact sweater, so a contact sweater, we'll call it. Um, and Regular. Yeah, and just part, you know, I, I mentioned how the tempo of today's practice was very high, good energy for today, and Val Nachushkin was right there in that whole um, mix of people bringing high energy and, and high intensity. Yeah, I mean... We know the numbers when Val Nachushkin's in the lineup. I believe they've won their last nine games with him playing. And uh, they are a below 500 team when Nachushkin's out of the lineup. And we know last year they had like a crazy like 850 points percentage with Val in the lineup, regular season plus playoffs. This guy is really important to the team. This injury has nothing to do with the one that kept him out for most of the year, the scar tissue thing from last year. Uh, so this is big time going to help the Avalanche. They really do need a guy like that. Yeah, absolutely. So what, how do you think that affects the line combos? Of course, we've seen Matt Nieto and Val Nachushkin have yet to really play together. Do they play on the line together? Does Matt Nieto slot down? What do you see happening there? Yeah, so this ultimately goes back to what we were saying earlier, how Brad Hunt's that placeholder. It's pretty much been the same thing. 
Val Nichushkin's injury happened right when Nieto was acquired, and instead of mixing up any other lines, they decided Comfer and Rantanen can just play with Nieto. So now what you got is Val's going to go back and play on that spot. So top line, Lekkinen, McKinnon, Rodriguez. Second line, Nichushkin, Comfer, Rantanen. Third line, Cagliano, Nuhuk, O'Connor. Remember that, that trio right there? That's the money trio that's been together for about the past month. That's going to bring Nieto down where the Avalanche have been playing 7D. It's going to pull England out from being the 7th D, and you're going to have Nieto, probably with Ben Myers, who I assume they'll call up, because I don't think they're going to play 7D. I think they'll call up Ben Myers, and you'll have Nieto, Ben Myers, and Dennis Melgan as your fourth line. Obviously, on D, you'll have Taves and Makar. You'll have Gerard and Johnson, and you'll probably have Byron playing with Brad Hunt on that second-slash-third pair. So it's starting to look more like a healthy team. And uh, the way that I see it, I know people kind of came at me when I tweeted this after the Nieto trade, but the way that I see the Avalanche, they're a Gabe Landeskog and, a, and one more center away from having a money lineup for the playoffs because Lekkinen, McKinnon, and Rantanen is your top line. Landeskog, a new center, and Nichushkin is your second line. And then to me, Newhook's not on your third line. You got Rodriguez at left wing, JT Comfer at center, Matt Nieto at right wing. Because to me, to win the Stanley Cup, having new hook between O'Connor and Cogliano as your fourth line just sounds so beautiful. That's the way that I see it going. But obviously, a lot of things could change. Sounds like Darren Helm might be returning. If Darren Helm returns, well, now, Nieto, Darren Helm, Cogliano, there's a lot of guys fighting for a roster spot. You still got Dennis Malgan. You still got Ben Myers out there fighting for a roster spot. You're probably going to trade for more depth. You're going to need it because people are going to get hurt as we've seen this season. But the Avalanche's lineup with the addition of Nichushkin playing with Nieto for the first time together, you know, in this new rendition of Nieto on the Avs, with the addition of Byram, they're starting to look more like the team we know and love. Yeah, and I mean, when you just went through the current lines and you throw in a Ben Myers and a Dennis Malgan, I mean, those right there with the seasons that those two have had so far, obvious playoff scratches right yeah so Landeskog in a new center right exactly so once you have some some better names to plug in there in place of those two I think yeah you're you're spot on you're you had a full NHL lineup but how sweet is it that suddenly Newhook Cogliano and O'Connor that's your third line right now suddenly your fourth line is Malgin Myers and Nieto and you look at that and you know who's the who are the players on this roster right now? And I know you're going to say Myers and Malgin that like genuinely, genuinely don't belong. There's no more of those like three-minute Anton Bleeds out there, Sample Rantas, guys that you're just like, this shoe just doesn't fit. Malgin and Myers are the closest thing to that. And I'm not giving them a lot more credit than they deserve, but they are a lot closer to being full-time NHLers than all those other players the Avalanche have had to play with. Charles Houdon on your friggin' top line. Jean-Luc Foudy on your third line. Like they've dealt with so much this year that it's just... That addition of Nieto alone just changes so much. Yeah, indeed. And just watching Val can do his thing with pretty much anybody is also such a good luxury, right? I mean, he seems to really slot in with anybody you put him with. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be excited to kind of see how Jared Bednar tinkers with these lineups once he does has, have more of a full lineup, once the trade deadline does occur. And they're still kind of trying to fight their way up the line, up the standings and, and, you know, to a good playoff spot. So there's going to be a good balance of experimentation and winning that you still got to think of there. Yeah, of course. And there's going to be a lot of changes here coming up. I mean, we still have yet to see a fully healthy top six forward core with Evan Rodriguez or JT Comfort as your second line center. So 
you never know. Like, the Avalanche could choose to not bring in a top center like we've been talking about. Maybe they choose to bring in another depth center. Maybe they choose to bring in another winger because JT or, or Evan could hold the fort down for the playoff push. There's so many questions that need to be answered that you haven't had the chance to have those questions answered because of these freaking injuries. In October, we sh quickly shifted from how the hell do you replace Nazem Kadri to how the hell do you replace the seven guys that are injured all the while forgetting you have to replace this thing in Kadri. So now you want to start to have a healthy lineup, hopefully before March 5th for uh, Landeskog's case, which doesn't sound like it's going to happen, but hopefully by around then you have an idea of what your lineup looks like so that you can make that decision here in the next 26 days. And then last thing from practice today was the comment Jared Bednar made today about the goalies and his strategy with the goalies moving forward. I think that was both interesting insightful and encouraging that you know i'm pretty sure we're going to see a healthy balance of both guys for for the rest of the regular season here yeah i mean basically what i got from that is georgie's playing well but when he was overplayed obviously he didn't play as well pavel francois has done the same thing he's done for gruby and for uh kemper now where things just seem like they're stressed let's put in frankie to get in the crease and just have fun playing hockey and win <laughs> games doing it. Like that's what Pavel does. He calms everything down. So it sounds like the avalanche want to keep things calm right now. It's been working and you know what they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So that's what they're going to do here. They're going to keep playing both of these guys. Obviously the idea in mind is Georgie is your starter. He'll be the guy if the playoffs started today. He'll be the guy playing every single night until an injury or something happens and you got to put in Frankie. Um, but we're at, not at the playoffs yet. You don't need to do that yet. Right now, you need to get both your guys going and get the wins any way you can. Jared Bednar strikes me as a guy that doesn't like to look too far ahead, right? I mean, you and I are always talking about the winnable games in the schedule looking forward. I don't think Jared Bednar looks that far. I mean, we've talked to him before about how he manages a game. He kind of breaks it down into five-minute segments and takes them five minutes at a time. I'm curious how he handles this point of the season. How far ahead does he look? Is he... Does he break it down kind of like the same the same thing, five games at a time? Does he go one game at a time? Because that's definitely how he seems to m want to manage his goalies here is essentially one game at a time, a balance between who's rested and who's playing hot. So, I, again, I'd like to maybe dive into that with him a little bit more. I almost asked yeah. it today, but I didn't want to look dumb in case somebody's already asked that in the past. But yeah. I'm curious how he plans to manage in his head the rest of the, the schedule here yeah i would say they probably take it in a few game segments at a time like i would th i would think he's looking at the road trip right now and all he, three games yeah. yeah he has an idea in mind of you're playing one on the first game another one on the second game which if you had to ask me i would assume probably like frankie pittsburgh georgie tampa or maybe georgie pittsburgh and tampa frankie florida like he has an idea of the way he wants to go all the while knowing he can adjust on the fly if needed and then, you know, the Avalanche come home after that. I think they have just the one game against Tampa, and then they go back on the road. So he's got an idea of who's playing that game, who's playing the upcoming games after that. Um, but he'll make that decision after this three-game road trip. So I think you do have to live in the here and the now because, like, fuck, this team has proven all season. Like, injuries happen. One shoe drops, and suddenly two or three guys are out of the lineup. By the time you get to the Florida game, and I'm not trying to have this bad juju, but like by the time you get to the Florida game, you might be down a goalie and a forward, and like suddenly, or maybe down a defenseman, or maybe it's maybe it's your fourth line, maybe it's you know Malgin and Nieto, like two of the guys there, and you're like, all right, well now we have to decide: is it going to be Galchenyuk who we spoke about today? Like things could change so quickly on a dime that it's it's almost silly to look too far ahead if you're a coach.
Why you gotta rain on our podcast parade? We are all positivity let me, let today. Me, let me do it the oh, other way. Byron's let me do back, it the other way. Val's back. Suddenly next week Darren Helm's healthy, and you're like, oh shit, we gotta bring Darren Helm in. Who do we sit? Suddenly next week, uh, you know, you made another trade. You just acquired Nieto. Maybe you made another trade. You're like, oh, this whole idea that I had of Malgin playing with Nieto and Myers, suddenly out the window because we just traded for a second line center. Everything changes. So, again, last year they traded for Manson and, and uh, Nico Sturm well ahead of the trade deadline, and they might do that again. Right on, right on. Well, I'll be excited to break down as the uh, trade deadline approaches more trade deadline stuff. Um, but for now, we got to recap the All-Star festivities that were this weekend, Arif. I'm going to be honest. The All-Star game itself, I watched it. I was entertained, but I passed out. I fell asleep <laughs> in between uh, waiting for that championship game to happen. So I, I missed that. But I, I had fun watching uh, Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, Miko Ranton, and kind of do their thing. I'm sure yeah. from the player's standpoint, they're like, come on. I play with these guys all the time. Can I please play with somebody else? Well, did you hear Nate every time he got interviewed and asked about it? Yeah, you want first. I want to play with Jason Robertson. And then later he said, I want to play with Kirill. I yeah. think it would be really cool. Like, blah, 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 blah. So, like... Um, you know they wanted to mix it up a little bit. Brady and Matthew Kachuk, there was the whole thing with them two wanting to play together. And then, you know, Emily Kaplan of ESPN even interviewed Kachuk's, the, the, the mom, Keith Kachuk's wife. And she was like, what do you mean he's going to break up my sons? They better be playing together. Tell the coach they better play them together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the All-Star game is what it is. I'm not going to do a whole two hours on all oh, the this sucks and that sucks. That's not, that's not my shtick. Uh, as you guys noticed, I didn't really – write any articles on the all-star game i'm not even interested in writing articles on who gets voted into the all-star game it's just not something i focus much on because it is exactly what it is it's a fun weekend where they you know they can go to florida or go to toronto next year go to vegas last year and just have fun with the other stars for a little bit say hi to your buddy say hi to Sidney crosby if you're mckinnon say hi to nazim Kadri if you're all three of these guys um it would have been cool if when maddie Beniers got injured andre burakovsky would have been able to replace him but he probably already had plans for a trip i was like fuck that i'm not going see you guys later and then they brought some guy named Chandler Stevenson <laughs> to replace him instead. So it was a fun All-Star game. I mean, it was a nice break. The hoopla of it was fun. You could tell the guys had fun, too. The guys had fun. I mean, as much as they don't try and there's a lot of weirdness around the All-Star, just every sport just kind of struggles with this event now. You can tell the guys had a little bit of fun. McCarr and Randon did the splash shot thing together. Uh, McKinnon always... McKinnon just seems so much more loose and happy in these non-high intensity and high stress events. You start to see more of the nicer McKinnon and less of the intense guy because he's just there to have fun. Like he was interviewed again by Emily Kaplan. It was just like, yeah, you know, we, we, we won and now we're in the finals. Let's go out and win this thing. And obviously the central division laid an egg, but again. <laughs> in the final again, but they're the only division that has never won this, uh, this format before, but um, the guys had fun. It was a nice break and now we're ready to rock and roll. I myself have a little bit of FOMO thinking back to Tampa Bay and how much fun we had with the national media. You know they went and brought that same fun energy to All-Star break. But looking at the skills competition, I mean, how did you feel when Kale McCarr slipped and fell during the fastest skating competition? So as soon as Kale McCarr was starting the event, I literally said out loud, I was watching it with a couple of friends, I literally said out loud, Somebody, somebody must have mentioned, like, mm, does Kale have a chance in this? You know, a defenseman doing the fastest skater. Obviously, new age defensemen are speedy guys, and Kale is one of them. But, like, does Kale even have a chance in this? And I said, I don't know. Just don't fall and hit your head against the boards. <laughs> and then he took the first turn, and you saw him kind of almost like toe pick. And I was like, oh, God. And then he took the second turn and literally fell and slid toward And you can see his face kind of like, like almost, holy shit. And then obviously hit the little padding they had. And I was like, 
Well, he didn't hit his head. He got up, shook, shook like he shaked it off. He Looked finished embarrassed. The lap. He was so embarrassed. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't think I'm so trying either. To, I'm was... trying to think back to all the All-Star games I've watched. I don't think I've ever seen a guy fall. Like, I've seen what we saw with the accuracy shooting where suddenly someone goes on a little bit of a bender and misses nine shots in a row, and you're like, fuck, this is embarrassing. I've seen that. But the guy to fall in the, in the lap, never seen that. I was going to say I've never seen that emotion on Kale McCarr. So it was interesting to see, yeah. and, and that's what made it so easy to point out. Actually, but I feel like I've seen one guy fall. I feel like someone has. Someone from L.A. I forget who's. Um, I'm, like, kind of vaguely remembering But, it. yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, Kale McCarr is – maybe the best in the NHL at edge work and using his edges. Let's see how that helps him in the fastest skater. But when he actually had to use his edges behind the nets, that's when it went worse for him. So yeah. I guess maybe he's not the best edge work player in the NHL. I mean, we thought he was. He he probably still is. I know we're just kind of yanking everybody's chain there. But you can tell he did look a little bit embarrassed by that, kind of like, what the hell did I just do? Okay, now here's another question about how you felt. How did you feel? watching Nazem Kadri fraternize with his old Avalanche teammates. You love it. You love to see it. That's that's the stuff that makes the All-Star game so cool. Like when we were kids, when I was a kid actually, I don't know about you cuz I didn't watch hockey with you growing up, but like when I was a kid, I used to freaking love that stuff. I used to love to see like World versus North America. And Peter Forsberg would, you know, do the 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 penalty shot challenge. I forgot what it was called at the time, the shootout thing. Uh, the save streak, maybe. I don't know. One of those challenges. He would come in and take a shot on Patrick Juan. I always think, like, this is so cool. What are they going to say afterward? Or what is Brendan Shanahan and Joe Sackett going to say to each other? They're on the same team and they're part of this rivalry. What are, you know, Marcus Nasland and Peter Forsberg going to say to each other? Like, those are those two Swede buddies from Orn Shieldsvik, Sweden, that played for uh, Moto together. Like, what are they going to – like, I love that stuff. So one of the first things that came to mind right away for me was, Kadri and McKinnon and Rand and McCarr all in the Western Conference are going to be on the same bench during the skills competition. And lo and behold, the first shot you had of the bench was this Calgary Flames jersey and then Colorado, Colorado, Colorado. He was right there with his buddies. And you know damn well if Burakovsky was there too, Kraken, Flames, Avalanche, it would have been because you know how close Berkey and Kadri are, let alone all five of those guys, five of the Avalanche's best you know, players last three, four years. So... You know damn well that Berkey would have been part of that, but I, I absolutely love seeing things like that. You know we all sit here and say, man, I wish Kadri was still around, and I'm sure there's a, a small part of him that he, he feels the same way, and the Avalanche players that were there with him also feel that way. So it'd be cool to maybe you know eavesdrop on their dinner maybe the night before and the hear quotes, those sentiments straight from the mouth. The quotes that some of those guys had, Makar, McKinnon, and, and Rantanen, they genuinely still miss this guy. Like, they 100% miss him. Uh, everybody does. Like, at this point, with with someone like Kadri, it's not even just about getting back, you know, a big piece of your lineup. It's, you can go out and trade for, you know, he's off the table, but Bo Horvat, and you could have signed him. And you would still have that feeling of we miss Nazem Kadri because of what he was to this team and what he brought to the team and just the energy and the aura around that guy. So um, McKinnon, McCarr, and Rantanen spoke a lot about it, and you know Naz was just embracing with those guys. Yeah, and that's what they love about him in Calgary as well, and I'm sure he's making some good friends that would say the exact same uh, positive things about him there in Calgary. Yeah, there was an article that the uh, Flames PR put out, and – they talked about Nazem Kadri in uh, the skills competition. Uh, they talked to him after, 
and they talked to the Avalanche guys, and the Flames PR wrote an article of quotes from Ranton and McKinnon and McCart, which I think is really fascinating because you don't often see one team dig so deep into the former teammate thing of their guy with his former team. Like you, you would have expected, I would have more expected the Avalanche's PR and social team to dig into the, hey, look, that's our former guy, Nas. But it was the other way around. It was the Flames social team. It was the Flames website, their Instagram, their Twitter, posting, hey, look at our guy hanging out with the team he played with last year. And they had an article where they said, Kadri's ex-Avalanche teammates dish on what makes the forward an all-star. And there was a quote, blessed to have him. So, you know, Miko Rantanen, we were blessed to have him on our team, especially last year, thinking about all the things he went through and what he was able to do. He had all those injuries, stuff that normally takes a long time to come back from, but he did come back and he scored. He was an unbelievable teammate and we miss him a lot. And you cannot read those quotes without thinking like this genuinely means a lot to these Avalanche guys. Nathan McKinnon talked about him. And what was the word you said that McKinnon always uses? Swagger. Did you read this article before I'm bringing it up? I, I think I saw it tweeted out there somewhere. Yeah. But did you actually read it? No, not the okay, article. Okay, well, here's the quote. I don't read articles there if you know Nathan, that. <laughs> Nathan McKinnon, quote, he definitely brings a swagger to your team, said fellow All-Star Nathan McKinnon, who drew much of the attention Thursday. You couldn't ask for a better teammate. Just an awesome, super fun guy that brings a ton of life to your group, whether it's on the ice or in the locker room. We definitely miss him. It's a cap world, I guess, and you can't keep everyone. But he's doing awesome in Calgary, and he's having a great season, so I couldn't be happier for him. They love him. They genuinely love him. Like, how do you read those quotes and not talk about how much this team loves him? You listen to 32 Thoughts. Did you listen to Nazem Kadri the I other did. day? I did. How do you not listen to that interview and not just like... I wish it went longer. Yeah. And just have the memories of this. Mm -hmm. Like, something about, and this is going to sound so fanboyish, every time I hear Kadri's voice today in 2023 or anytime post August when he signed with the Flames. Today, every time I hear Nazem Kadri's voice and he mentions the playoff run, instant flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Instant flashbacks more than when I hear Bednar or McKinnon or Landeskog or Ranton or McCart. Instant flashbacks more with Kadri than any of those guys because of the story surrounding that guy last year and how much he loves to talk about it and embraces it. A lot of guys don't like to talk about this stuff. Kadri's a media dream. He's a, he's a journalist's favorite guy to talk to because he's always going to give you what's on his mind. And in that interview with 32 Thoughts, right, he brought up how he, he keeps the ring, he's going to wear it during reunions, and that's that's what went into my mind. It's like, yeah, we got maybe, you know, seven, eight, maybe nine more years to watch these guys play against each other, and then they get to go back to being friends for life and, and boys because when you win a championship with someone, it's forever. You're, it's forever. And so, you know, the, the rest of their lives, whether it's 30, 40, 50 years, however long they live, they get to relive being teammates again. Think of how cool it was. I don't know about you, but for me it was really cool because I grew up a big fan of that first Avalanche era that won Cups. To come out for that 2016 alumni game and to see them all lined up and how freaking awesome that yeah, was. Yeah, I feel like when they, they all got the call, hey, we're doing this alumni game. Oh, is Peter going? Is, is Joe going? Yeah, oh, literally. Hell yeah, know. I'm in. And freaking Patrick Wall was coaching the Avalanche wearing goaltender pads and skates, goalie skates that he hadn't worn in 10, 15 years. Like, he wanted to take it so seriously. And just seeing, like, for example, Milan Hayduk's retirement night when they surprised him with Forsberg and Tange bringing out the Stanley Cup. Like, you love to see that stuff. And now I'm 29 and you're in your 30s. And, you know, we look back at that fondly. And you know right now there are kids that were born in 2001, 2002, 2003, 
Oh, wait, no, sorry. I'm off by a decade. 2011, 2012, 2013, that were 8, 9, 10 years old when the Avalanche won the Cup last year. When they're 21 and 22, when they're 25 and 30, the Avalanche are going to have these reunions, and you're going to see a gray-bearded Kadri and McKinnon. The way we look at Forsberg now, that are going to come out, and they're going to be like, that was my childhood. Like, the reunion stuff is the best. Which one of them is going to be fat? Oh. <laughs> uh, you don't have to answer that. I, you don't have I, to answer I that. absolutely know who, but I'm not going to say. Um, does it sound appropriate? The last thing I wanted to point out, just because you put it in my head with that McKinnon quote on Nazem Kadri in the Calgary Flames PR article, is just McKinnon's subtle little shots that he loves to throw in there, right? I guess it's cap world. It's a cap world, I guess. Right, he loves to just kind of remember throw last year jabs. in the playoffs. Absolutely, he loves it. He does it all the time. Remember the Edmonton series. Do you remember the exact quote I'm talking about? Refresh me. Hey, uh, Nathan, what do you think <laughs> about that? Connor McDavid, Leon Drysaddle, Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, four of the best players. McKinnon versus McCarr. He said, "Oh, I don't care about that stuff as long as it lowers escrow." Escrow. Yeah, that's what I was going like, to bring he's up. He's so smart and so in tune with all of this shit that you know. He's at the All-Star game thinking, all right, how many autographs do I got to sign for the cap to go up? How many autographs do I got to sign for, for, for us to not be the laughing stock of the four sports? Like, he loves to throw those subtle shots in. We're the favorites, I guess, comes to mind. And uh, well, that's why I win fitness testing every year. That's, comes oh, to mind. that was a good one. That was uh, a good one. I think that was my question. Yeah, Shout out it me. was. I remember that. I vividly. remember that. Um, the COVID year, one of the few good memories, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, that's all, that's all for today. Anything you want to throw out there before we wrap up our Sunday podcast here from Family Sports? No, that's basically it. Uh, this is going to be a fun final stretch here. Trade deadline in 26 days. And I know I think for the last four podcasts I have said we will talk about trade deadline stuff. We have plenty of time to do it. So I'm going to make that something we're going to do this week. We are going to talk trade deadline. We're going to talk players the Avalanche could target. We're going to look at depth guys. We're going to look around the league. We're going to have some fun with it. We're not going to go for two hours, but we're going to have some fun with it. We'll do that here in the upcoming week for all the listeners. Cool, cool. And, of course, I'm still on baby watch, so yep. I could disappear at any moment. At any given time, JJ <laughs> might disappear, and it could be halfway through this podcast. I just hope it's not during my men's league game. i got to get my shifts in, got to get my points in. You know, yeah, I'm a goal scorer. Yeah, smelling like shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, all right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. We out you.